Welcome back to the Montgomery Companies Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. And today we have author, speaker, coach, mentor, leader, wife, mom, Jill Savage. And we are so delighted. Uh, I had a chance to meet Jill uh, several years ago at a conference hosted by Olivia Ryan. Uh, Jill and I have stayed in touch. She's become a friend. And she was our opening speaker at the 2018 Summit event hosted by Montgomery Companies and she rocked the event. She really set the stage for our audience with her transparent, vulnerable message. And it's one of the things that I've so much appreciated about Jill. Uh, Jill, you are um, just a light to so many people. And you know, when I think about you, I think about Brene Brown. And Brene has this quote that I love. She says, you know, when you deny the story, it defines you. When you own the story, you can write a brand new ending. Mm. And your intentional decision to own your life's story, be it fair, unfair, all the twists and turns, all the things that were pretty, not pretty, your ability to own your story and say, hey, this is me. You know, this is my husband. This is me. This is our life. This is our family. Yeah. Um, that the, the ability to own your story has created this amazing ministry. Mm. And when I was thinking about your journey, if there's a way to influence a person you have found it. You know, you have a blog, <laughs> you have a podcast, you've written now 14 books. Uh, you are a coach, you're a speaker, you do retreats, you hold classes, you have video content. Um, you are uh, this amazing woman of God who's so gifted and talented, and I'm privileged to call you a friend. And so um, thanks for making some time to be on our podcast. I want to dig into some of your content. Our audience should know this about your message and your content. You've been featured in the Huffington Post, Focus on the Family, Today's Christian Women's Magazine, and Family Life Today, among other major publications. You are doing God's work at a high level, and we are so honored to have you with us. Well, thank you. It's great to be with you, Jordan. So I want to go back to the Summit Conference in Iowa City, Iowa, 2018, uh, that's where we had our first kind of real conversations, right? I technically met you at a separate event. We had the fortunate opportunity of speaking together mm -hmm. and you unpacked your story in a really powerful way. Uh, mm -hmm. For those that don't know you or don't know your story, they need to know it. So this will be heavy note-taking for our listeners. <laughs> you know, I want you to just sort of unpack your life story and how that ties into the work that you're doing today. Yeah. Well, you know, um, my life doesn't look like I thought it would look Jordan. And, um, honestly, isn't that the way it is for most of us? Uh, so, uh, definitely, um, my life's work is very different than I thought. I went to college to be a music teacher. That's what I thought I'd be doing. I thought I'd be teaching piano and voice. I'd be teaching high school music. I'd be doing high school musicals. That was um, the road I was on. And, um, you know, they say the best way to make God laugh is to tell him your plans. So I'm sure that he laughed. <laughs> so uh, I got my degree and uh, I have never used it, um, at least officially. Uh, I taught piano and voice for 15 years privately, but um, never spent any time in the classroom. Part of that was because by the time I finished my degree, I had two children. And in um, fact, I had our second son on my college graduation day. So um, 
at that point in time, my husband decided to go to Bible college to become a pastor. We made a move from Indianapolis, Indiana, where we both were born and raised uh, to Lincoln, Illinois. And um, I couldn't find a teaching job. I mean, our goal was, hey, I've got this degree. Now I'm going to be the breadwinner. Well, he goes to school, uh, but I just couldn't find a teaching job. So I actually began to do daycare in my home purely out of necessity. Uh, we lived in married student housing. You know, we were obviously non-traditional students uh, because uh, we had a family. I found lots of non-traditional students that needed help and daycare. So I started doing that, which ultimately, uh, as I took care of other people's children, I became, it's like I had a magnifying glass on mothering um, family relationships. And all of a sudden I just began to realize that I needed to be much more intentional about what I did as a mother. And mm. I, I just never, I, um, I mean, not that I didn't go into parenting and, and motherhood expecting to be intentional, but man, uh, just, uh, kind of having that front row seat, at, mm. at day in, day out, I went, I need to be, you know, I kept thinking, um, I'll do, so I'll uh, be at home with my kids at that point in time. You know, I was at home with the kids because I was doing daycare in my home. Okay, I'll, I'll be at home with my kids until uh, they're in school. And um, that was a great plan, except for the fact that we kept having children. So... <laughs> So just as one would get ready to get into school full time, the stick would turn blue and I'd be like, oh my goodness, I've got another six years at home. I but love it. God was using that to really open my heart up to um, the work that he would call me to. Of course, back then I didn't know that, um, but that uh, really he was, he was opening my eyes uh, to family relationships, um, the importance of being intentional in your marriage, being intentional as a parent. Um, and I kind of fell into that um, as I um, launched a mom's group. So we ended up moving from Lincoln, Illinois to Bloomington, normal Illinois, which is where we still make our home now, 30 some years later. And uh, I knew no one. I came into this move going, okay, I need to be more intentional about a being a mom. But what I realized is I knew more about being a music teacher than I knew about being a mother. Mm. And I was like, I got to get after this. Like, I, I really need to learn uh, uh, about motherhood. I need to view it in a different perspective. I need to, I need to learn about marriage. So I asked a group of moms, there were um, about eight women that I'd met in the first few months that I after we'd moved to town and said, Hey, you guys want to meet once a week and let's study a book on motherhood. And um, that group grew um, from eight to 15 and 15 to 30. And we weren't fitting in my living room anymore. And we were moving into, um, we moved to our church building and, and, uh, it, it launched a, a ministry of, um, for moms. It was called mom to mom. Um, about five years later, 
we uh, launched a ministry, uh, a, a conference ministry for moms because this group was growing. There were now almost 250 moms in my mom's group and it was, it was growing in a huge way. And uh, so I went to our church and said, Hey, I used to go to teacher conferences and I'd come back with, I'd be refreshed for the classroom. I want to do that for moms. Is there any way that we could do a mom, a one-time mom conference? And they said, yeah, absolutely. Um, we've seen the ministry grow, the mom to mom ministry grow. Yeah. You have our blessing. Go for it. So we thought we'd have maybe 400, 500 women come to this one-time conference we were going to do. And we had 1100 women that came from 10 States. Wow. Now this was 1994. Email didn't exist, Jordan. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. There was definitely no Facebook. <laughs> there was no Instagram. There was no social media. That was not a concept. And email did not exist. So this was purely word of mouth. Like hmm. you're just like, oh my gosh. Like literally women were calling their college roommate and their sister-in-law and saying, hey, there's this mom conference. You want to come? So anyway, uh, I like to call it the ministry I accidentally started. <laughs> I mean, truly, I didn't intend yeah. to, but uh, I, um, so we had our first conference, 1100 women came, the church came back to me and said, Jill, this isn't a church ministry. You need to become a nonprofit. And they just really pushed me uh, to, uh, to formulate into a parachurch ministry. So we had, uh, we did that. We started planning our second conference. We had 2,800 women that came from 20 States. Wow. And the third year, 3,400, then 4,500, then 5,400, then 6,300. My husband liked to say at the end of those weekends, there was no chocolate left in blue to normal. <laughs> So can we, can we pause there? I, I want our listeners to hear that. Cause I think we have some visionaries that are probably listening. There's something they want to do there. Maybe you're, you're listening. You're thinking, gosh, I, I, I'm a mom or I'm a parent, or maybe I'm not on the professional journey that I want to be on, but this thing really in a matter of five years, Jill went from, you know, a half a dozen to a dozen women sitting around a living room to all of a sudden you had almost 7,000 people at one conference. Am I hearing that correctly? It was about 10 years by the time we got to that. Years. Okay. Yeah. Within a decade. But yeah. But it was still, and, and honestly, through most of that, I was pinching myself going, what am I, I what is going on? Like, this yeah. is not the vision I had, but yet it's the doors that are opening. And quite frankly, it came out of my own need as a mother, Jordan. Mm. You know, when people will say, how do you get started with something? I say, what are your needs? Because what your needs are, are, th are probably the needs of others. And, good. And, yep. and, and so that's really where I started. I started because I felt ill-equipped to be the intentional mom I wanted to be. And I uh, knew that I had to do something about it. So I put myself in a learning environment and other women joined and it just continued to grow. So um, there was an interesting moment though. So when we did that first conference, that was in 1994, I was the MC at the conference. So I welcomed women. I introduced the keynote speakers. I was the MC and I did that 94, 95, 96, 97, 98. We're going into 99. 
and we finished the 99 conference and they say, uh, my, my leadership, <laughs> my leadership team comes to me and they say, Jill, you just emceed your last conference. And I was like, I did like, was it really bad? You guys, why have you let me do this for like six years? If it was like terrible. And they're like, no, you need to be the keynote speaker next year. And I'm like, uh, no, no, I'm not a speaker. And they're like, uh, yes, you are. And you need to be the, the keynote next year. And I mean, I really resisted. No, that's not, you know, and they were like, no, absolutely. These women want to hear what you have to say. And that was, so I was so grateful, honestly, for people that spoke into my life and gave me that kick in the see the pants that I needed. And that ended up being the, the year that I wrote my first book. And I delivered the keynote message on the topic of that book. And honestly, the rest is history. Like I awesome. began to realize how much I, I love that. But it was also the very first time that I, um, you know, delivered any type of a message that came out of my own struggles and my own brokenness. And I found that people really related to it. Um, I shared my struggles as a mom. I shared some of the things that I, um, some misconceptions that I had believed. And, um, and so it wasn't just, hey, let me tell you um, how to do this in steps one, two, and three. It was, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to share, I'm just going to open up and I'm going to be really honest with you. And what I have found is honesty begets honesty. Yes. So good. So, so good. So anyway, that's a long, that kind of gives you a little bit of an idea of how I got launched, but the story of my, my, my life's story has unfolded. Um, you know, up to that point it had, but even since then in the, in the last 20 years that I've been writing and speaking and now coaching, um, and, and much of that, I honestly, Jordan, I wanted to hide much mm. of that, mm. but I have pushed through with courage and, uh, put it decided that I'm not going to clean things up and then share it. I'm going to, I'm going to share it while things are messy. Ooh, that's good. That's good. You know, I, I want to stay there for one minute. I, I want to make sure everyone catches that. Honesty begets honesty. And I'm not going to wait until I have the chance to clean things up. I'm going to share it while it's messy. Yep. You know, man, that's powerful. And, and it's interesting, right? Because vulnerability is the last thing I'm willing to share with you. But it's the first thing I will look for in you. Yes. And, and that's the essence of how you roll, Jill. I mean, that's been your life's work, right? Is um, I'm going to be vulnerable before I know it's safe, before, you know, the world tells me uh, it's ready. I'm going to share my truth and share my story. And I, I can relate my own journey to so much of what you're saying. And, I, and, and again, that's why people are drawn to you because I think everyone can relate to that on some level, right? We have a, a part of our life that's messy um, mm -hmm. or that doesn't feel right or we're not proud of. And at the end of the day, I think so often our greatest struggle or our deepest wound can become our greatest calling or ministry. And, and that's been yes. 
your life story, right? So um, it has been, yes, it so has good. been. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you do have to weigh out. It's not always my story to share. Like it may be a family member is struggling with something and it may not always be my story to share. So um, when I do share uh, about my kids' journeys, when I do share about our marriage stuff, obviously, um, we have had conversation about it and, um, they, they have all given me permission, uh, to share that. And I'm, and I'm grateful. Um, I really am. Um, if I, if I choose to share something they don't want to share, then I have to keep it to be my part of the story, you know, sure, obviously, sure. but yeah, you know, when I spoke at the summit, uh, I delivered my no more perfect message and, that is, um, it is my most requested message. It is definitely a, um, I think it's really powerful because of the visual. So I throw up a picture of our family and it, it's a good picture. It's kind of a, you know, almost a perfect little family picture. And, um, and then, um, you know, I, I, I talk about comparison and because that's really, honestly, that is the heart of my life's work. You know, I think it's funny that I live in normal Illinois, um, because honestly my life's work has become to help people know what is normal, what is normal in marriage, what is normal in parenting, what is normal in the emptiness season of life so that they don't feel alone. Mm. You know, so that they know that they're not alone, that um, they, hey, you can get to the other side of this. There are others that have gone before you. If you're struggling with this, just, I know you probably feel alone, but I want you to know this is normal. And part of the reason that you think you're alone is that people aren't talking about this stuff. And so honestly, that's why I am so willing uh, to talk about it. So I throw that picture up. And uh, I talk about the fact that uh, in that moment, that audience is naturally comparing the insides of their family to the outsides of my family. And man, we do this with social media. We do mm. this. We do this. I mean, honestly, you could just go to somebody's house and have dinner with them. And they've got a beautiful picture of their family up on the wall. And what you'll do in that moment is you'll compare the insides of your family to the outsides of their family because you don't necessarily know their story and um, or stories. So true. And so um, what I want to do is I want to dispel <laughs> that. So I actually take um, I take the. Uh, the picture and I start to disassemble it. Um, and I share each of my kids and some of their struggles that they've had. Um, you know, I've got a daughter that uh, she and her husband have been married 14 years, but they uh, have been in marriage counseling for four of those 14 years. And um, is it you know, because their marriage was on the rocks? No, but they were finding it really difficult to blend two very different upbringings into one family unit. And they got to the place where they needed help. So, um, you know, I, I share a picture of them. It's a great picture. You would never know by looking at that picture that that is a couple that's chosen to be in marriage counseling for four years. But thankfully they've been willing to remove the mask. They share that with others. They've allowed me to share that. And then what it does is it normalizes that for people mm. that it's okay. When you struggle, 
ask for help. I throw up another picture of uh, our other daughter and her husband and our granddaughter. And, and I talk about the fact that, you know, um, uh, it breaks my mama's heart, but they're not walking with the Lord. Um, they have walked away from faith it was not the way she was raised. And that is hard. Um, but it is sometimes a part of the journey. When you launch kids, they're going to go mm. their own path for a little while. Um, I, I share about, uh, our son, uh, our youngest son who had severe ADHD, uh, growing up. I mean, he got to seventh grade and I got a call from the teacher. Do you know that Austin has 87 missing assignments? I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. This is a, I, you know, I pride myself and my children get their homework done and, and I, I make sure that they have an environment that's conducive. And I'm like, how, how, I mean, I knew he was doing his homework. He wasn't turning it in. Mm. So, um, now here's the funny thing, Jordan of my five children. He is the only one who graduated from college. Thank you very much. No the, kidding. The 87 so, missing assignment kid. <laughs> so there's yeah. hope. There's there hope. is hope. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's part of the reason I share that story because yes. somebody's listening and they're in the middle of the muddle right now, right? Mm -hmm. They, they are going, is there hope? Is this kid ever going to make it? And I want you to know, yes, absolutely. Um, I share, um, uh, about our, um, uh, our son that uh, was married uh, to a beautiful woman. Uh, he was a worship pastor. Uh, he went through a divorce and, uh, and then uh, is now in a same-sex uh, relationship. Not what I thought my mothering journey was going to look like. Uh, not what I thought my, uh, my Christian journey was going to look like. Um, and yet God is teaching us um, about how in our case, in, in that situation, uh, we, we don't feel that that's God's best for him, but we love him dearly. How do we, how do I love well when I don't agree with my kids? So hmm. sharing that part of that messy part of life openly. Can, um, can I stay there for just one second, Jill? Because yeah. that, that takes courage, even to share what you just shared that last point. Mm -hmm. Um, because there's some people listening that are, that are saying, well, Jill, I don't agree with you. I mean, actually, I think that could be God's best or that could, but your yep. vulnerability to say, Hey, I, I, am opening up to you about what I believe. And this is my story. This is, this is, this is my belief. This is who I am. I'm, I'm bringing that to the table, um, in, in a world that is so, uh, sensitive, right. Around, uh, social norms and, and relationships and, um, I, I just, I, I want to, I want to draw attention to that, but that takes some courage on your end to, to bring that up for multiple reasons. Yes. But I want to say you are safe to tell me that you believe differently. You're going to be safe to, for us to have a conversation about that. That's mm. what's most important to me is that we can sit in different places on an issue, or we can sit in different places on a belief perspective, but we can be safe with each other with that. Yep. Yeah. That is what's missing, Jordan. Yes, you're right. That is what's Spot missing. On. And um <coughs> and I think that when we uh cannot accept <clears throat> someone else. So I think that we think that accepting people means we have to agree with them. Mm. Not at all. 
we can accept someone and not agree with them. We can accept the reality of their choices. We can accept the reality of their life. And that doesn't <clears throat> mean that, that uh, we, we agree with them. But I think that's often what happens is I feel like if I accept you, then it's going to mean I'm agreeing with you. No, we can sit in different places, but we can still love each other well. That's so and good. I'm that is important to me. Yeah, I'm glad you made that distinction. And, you know, I think for so many of our listeners, they're, they're hearing you unpack this story and they're saying, okay, a kid with ADHD, you know, missing assignments, um, you know, marriage counseling, you haven't even dropped the biggest bombs uh, <laughs> yet that I know are coming. And, and, and I mean it, Jill, because this is the moment of your presentation where I just felt the room change. What you're about to share rocked our audience. Um, mm -hmm. So I'll let you finish. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, uh, before we hit that one, we have a son that has struggled with mental health issues, multiple, um, multiple suicide attempts. Uh, no mother ever expects to be walking into a mental health ward uh, behind closed doors and a lock and key to visit their child. Um, and yet that has been the reality. Um, and our son is adopted. He struggles with a lot of those issues um, that come with adoption, identity issues. But yes, it was 10 years ago, Jordan, that, um, you know, my marriage went through a terrible crisis and it was um, the, um, it was the, um, we had had some ups and downs in marriage. I mean, Mark and I like to, when we introduce ourselves, we'll say we've been married 37 years, 27 of them happily. <laughs> and, um, and it wasn't that there's 10 bad years. There was ups and downs. Um, my husband has struggled with depression. Um, and so we've had hard seasons. Uh, I have honestly, I've had a critical spirit that I had to deal with in our marriage. Um, I was the one who was not uh, compassionate. Uh, I kind of grew up in a more of a buck up um, family. And so I had a buck up mindset and didn't have a lot of compassion in my marriage. That's a place where I've really had to, to make some changes. But 10 years ago was the deepest, darkest season. And um, and in the midst of that, my husband had a full-on midlife crisis affair included, and uh, he left. Um, he left our family, uh, left the kids and I, and uh, he was determined to ride off in the sunset with this new relationship. And that was um, the heartbreak of my life, as you can imagine. Um, it was a very dark year. Very, very, very dark year. Uh, I did not ever feel released from the marriage. I, um, I didn't. Every time I would ask God, what do you want me to do? I'm begging him, God, please tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. What do you want me to do? And God would tell me. I would get one message, okay? And it wasn't like I could hear a voice out of heaven, but it was the only thing that would come into my head. And I knew it wasn't from me because it went exactly the opposite of what I felt. And I, I would hear him say, Jill, I want you to love him. Mm. And I'd be like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I don't know if you've noticed, but he's not real lovable right now. 
<clears throat> and uh, and then God would whisper back, yeah, I don't know if you've noticed, sometimes you're not either. Mm. Good. And so anyway, in the midst of um, that really, really hard season, uh, Mark went back and forth. He would recommit to our marriage. He would go back to the other relationship. He would recommit to our marriage. He would go back. He went back and forth seven times until finally on Easter Sunday of 2012, he uh, actually, we like to say he had his own personal resurrection and he did a U-turn and really made a final commitment, um, really threw up the white flag of surrender and, um, and stopped fighting with God and made a commitment uh, to our family that I knew was different. I saw the difference in the way that he uh, made that U-turn. So we began a process of healing. <clears throat> it was a good... <clears throat> It was a good 18 months of weekly marriage counseling uh, that helped us to put the wheels back on the bus. Mm. Um, but I'm so grateful that God uh, redeemed the broken place. And not only that, here's what I've learned. Uh, he's not only the redeemer, he's the redreamer. Um, <laughs> Amen. Yeah, yep. He really is. And, and yep. you know, I mean, now Mark and I, our, our life's work, honestly, is to help marriages. Um, we uh, just, uh, we spend a lot of time with couples, either who have good marriages and they want to make them great, but many who have hurting marriages and they need help and hope. And uh, so we do that through the courses we offer. We do that through uh, our membership site. And then we do that through uh, private coaching as well. And I'm just so very grateful um, for how God has used our mess and turned it into a message. You know, Joe, I think one of the things that our culture doesn't talk about, society doesn't really talk about is marital issues, right? We're, we're quick to talk about our health issues, uh, maybe our finances, our struggles at work, our struggles, even with our children, but gosh, we keep, um, marital issues pretty close to the vest. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd love for you to speak to somebody who's listening that says, man, I feel out of touch with my spouse. Things aren't going well. Maybe things are going actually very poorly. Uh, where does someone start down the path of repairing, restoring? Um, could you just offer some words of encouragement to that individual? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you, you, you start putting it on the table, um, you know, and here's what I'll, I'll tell you you got to push through awkward to get to a new normal. So That's you good. want things to change. It's going to feel awkward to start talking about our relationship, but it needs to happen to create that new normal. Um, you know, we encourage couples to talk about uh, intimacy, physical intimacy, because we don't. And you're just like, why don't we? Well, guess what? The movies we watch, nobody talks about it. They just make it happen. And so we get these messages that it should just happen. Uh-uh. Marriages are created. They don't just happen. But part of the reason that we ended up in such a tough place is because we weren't paying attention to the dynamics that were going on underneath the surface. So we were doing a lot of the right things. We knew each other's love languages. We spoke them often. We had date nights. We went away, just the two of us. But there was still an unraveling that was happening underneath the surface. And I'll never forget when we were... Um, 
we were driving back and forth an hour to our marriage counselor every week. So we drive an hour there. We drive an hour home. I can tell you sometimes those were really long hours if we weren't doing so well. Sometimes they were really good hours because they gave us extra time to process and talk. And one day there was a uh, song that came on the radio as we were driving home. And it was an old casting crown song called It's a Slow Fade. Mm. And, and in that song, this is the lyrics. No marriage crumbles in a day. It's a slow fade. And we started talking about that. And we said, huh, so what were our slow fades? Like, what could we label them? Could we call them something? And so we just started kind of one of our slow fades was a slow fade of unrealistic expectations. And why was that a slow fade? Well, when you have unrealistic expectations, you're constantly discontent. And mm. when you, if you have unrealistic expectations of marriage or of your spouse, then you're discontent with them. You're discontent with your marriage. And so that pulls your heart apart. One little discontent moment at a time. And that little quarter inch of distance between your heart and your spouse's heart doesn't feel like anything until you add another quarter inch to it and another one and another one. And before you know it, your hearts aren't inches apart, but they're miles apart. Um, another uh, slow fade we, we labeled was um, this slow fade of avoiding emotion. And that one was mine. Hmm. Remember, I grew up in buck up mindset. And so I would just, if things got too emotional, I, I'd, I wanted to steer clear of that. I didn't value feelings. And so that was a place which is interesting. In a lot of marriages, that would be more likely the man than the woman. But in our marriage, we were the opposite of that. And what I can tell you is in most marriages, one partner is probably more comfortable with emotion than the other. So, mm. um, so anyway, these slow fades were the unraveling beneath the surface that was going on that we didn't realize. And so what I would say to someone who's feeling that distance is that you're feeling a slow fade. And we actually uh, teach about slow fades in our book, um, our No More Perfect Marriages book. Uh, we teach about them. We have a No More Perfect Marriages course, and we teach about those as well. And so what I would say is start trying to figure out what's causing the distance, what <clears throat> fades are happening in your relationship, and then get after those, mm. call them what they are, identify them, uh, start to root them out so that you can begin to close that distance. So that's what, that would be the encouragement that I would offer to someone that's feeling it. And sometimes you need help. Sometimes you need help doing that. That's part of what we love doing as marriage coaches is we help people put their finger on the slow fades that are happening. And then we give them the tools to actually stop those fades. Um, but don't hesitate. Don't try to go it alone. Get the help that you need. Have the hope that the, the distance can be closed. Ask for help and get after the root of what's going on. Um, usually in marriage, it's not the big things that are causing problems. It's lots of little things. And we're not talking about those little things. We're not identifying them. And that's where the distance starts to, to creep in. So true. Well, 
I'll, I'll confess this to you. Uh, I've already confessed this to you, Jill. I'll confess this to our listeners. Um, you know, we, we typically spend several hours preparing for a podcast episode. And so I know that I've got Jill Savage today. I'm refreshing your content over the weekend and taking it in. And then this morning, I'm listening to your content. And just this morning, Ashley and I had a, um, a spat about a work trip that's on the calendar several months out. And I hadn't told her about it. And um, so it was unmet expectation, right? Lack of communication. So we get into this spat and literally right after our argument, I've got to dig into your content. And as God would have it, here I am, you know, 20 minutes deep and a message about marriage. And it was just perfect timing. And it rocked me in such a unique way. And uh, in the same way that I was rocked this morning, I know many of your listeners are rocked by your transparency, your authenticity, your vulnerability. It's one of the things I love so much about your work. And I think this, this work around marriage and parenting is key, but at, at the core of your message, Jill, is, is the message of comparison, you know, mm-hmm. and Craig Rochelle owns the rights to one of my favorite quotes. He says, the quickest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. Mm. And so I, I, I just want to uh, give that quote to our listeners today. Um, and when I think about Jill Savage, I think about that message, you know, that uh, just reminding people, hey, you got something special. You know, God gave you a gift and he's called you to do important work in and outside of your home. Yes. And if we can drop comparison uh, yes. and lean into the blessings that God's given us, the gifts that he's given us, uh, man, you can have a remarkable life and your life's not defined by one mistake or many mistakes, Right. And when we own our story, we can write a brand new ending, uh, just like you. So thank you for being just a, just an awesome light and an encouragement to so many, not just to our listeners, but uh, for the many people that follow you through your blog, your podcast, uh, your speaking engagements, your coaching work, your classes, your retreats. I know we joked earlier, if there is a way to influence another human being, you have found the channel. So um, I just want to say thank you for, for being uh the strong influence for good that you are today. Well, thank you. I so appreciate that, Jordan. My last question, uh, what's next for Jill Savage? You know, that is a great question. So my husband and I actually have releasing, uh, I'm not sure exactly when this will air, but in the next week or so, uh, we're releasing a brand new resource called the Marriage Playbook. And you, Mr. Sports Minded, um, would really appreciate this. Um, but seriously, we have uh, created a um, a playbook for couples that uh, helps them to be able to uh, make some specific plays uh, in their marriage that make a difference in communication, finances, uh, having fun together. Uh, resolving conflict. So we are super excited uh, about uh, the release of the marriage playbook and um, super excited to be able to offer that to couples so that those that have good marriages um, can strengthen them. And those that have hurting marriages can actually have some uh, really practical tools to, to begin that process of creating a new normal. You know, I want to make one last comment before I let you go, Jill, because we haven't addressed this yet. Uh, Mark has been such a huge part of not just your, your life's journey, but your work today. And I I see that when I watch your, your content and I look at the stuff you produce and I know Mark's involved in so much of that. Uh, so cool that you all do that together. 
Um, we love talk it. about owning the story, right? I mean, like he's in it with you, you know, I know somebody just um, asked me the other day on, on social media, cause I had put something out and I had mentioned something about when we were separated or when he was in his affair. And they said, I have to ask, is Mark okay with this? And it's like, absolutely. He, he really feels like this is one way that God is using our pain, um, for his purposes. And so, yes, we love doing it together. Um, we do most of our teaching together, um, for marriage and we do all of our coaching together, which is, I think what makes us unique in what we offer as marriage coaches, because, uh, you do get to work with a couple and that is, uh, that's pretty unique. And, you know, and, and, uh, is a great way to move the needle in your marriage. Well, God bless you and God bless Mark. You know, I think he's um, just uh, just an awesome example too of just grace and redemption and stepping into the gap where so many people would would turn and would not be able to to own that story and talk about it so openly. So um, you're a good reminder, Jill, that we are married to imperfect people. Uh, we follow an imperfect pastor or leader, you know, spiritually. Yep. Uh, we raise imperfect children. We have imperfect friends. And I love your message about no more perfect. So if you've not checked out Jill Savage, uh, check her out. No more perfect moms, no more perfect kids, Mm -hmm. and no more perfect marriages are just a few of your 14 books Mm -hmm. that um, have really been life-changing for so many. Uh, Where can people find you, Jill? Yeah, well, they can find me online uh, if they just go to markandjill.org. Um, that's our website. We actually have some free ebooks there uh, right on the front page. Um, we like to um, resource you right away with some, um, some great content. Um, and uh, then uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, jillsavage.author. Go follow Jill Savage. Uh, check her out. Jill, we appreciate so much um, your ministry, your life's work. And I personally just appreciate uh, the friend that you've been to me over the last three years. And thank you again for spending some of your very valuable time with us on the Montgomery Companies podcast. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of the Montgomery Companies podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. And I just want to say thanks again to Jill Savage for her wisdom, her insights, and for her time with us today on our podcast. Uh, Jill, you're an awesome friend. You have an amazing ministry. I appreciate your vulnerability, your transparency, and the work that you do to impact so many people for good. Uh, We would love it if you would share, like, follow our podcast. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Also want to give a special shout out to John Choate of Storyline Multimedia, who produces, edits, and runs the Montgomery Companies podcast. Thank you to all of our listeners. We appreciate you. Have a wonderful day.